Hello and welcome to Scott's Movie Pod, until I think of a better name, which I may never, probably ever will actually do. Uh, we are here to discuss movies, the reasons why we love them, for better or worse, and uh, all the reasons why we like them, just because a lot of people like to shit on movies, as mm-hmm. I like to say. Uh, but that's not what we're here to do. We're here to talk about all the reasons we like them, even the movies that some people don't always enjoy. Uh, this movie firmly sits on that line because it's one of those movies that people either love or hate, even though it's like a masterpiece classic. Uh, with me today, (laughs) before I get into that, I have Kristen Hansen, a screenwriter, actress, friend, a sometimes director, right? You definitely direct. I definitely actually direct more these days. Yeah. 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 A lot more directing. Um, (laughs) Kristen is here to discuss a, like I said, a, a, a cult classic. Which film are we here to discuss today, Kristen? We are here to discuss 2001, A Space Odyssey. Yes, it's 2001, yes. A Space Odyssey by uh, Mr. Stanley Kubrick, director mm-hmm. and writer. And uh, with the novelization of Arthur C. Clarke that was happening alongside of it, that's about Wait. as much as I know behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah yeah. I I know there's there's such a great history when it comes to this film I think that's kind of exciting you know it was with uh Clark you know being like this kind of obtruse like uh writer and you know and and the the movie production side pushing Kubrick to go like hey just go talk to him you know just go just go figure it out and then they 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 transpired and they had this they did this amazing film they they kind of did it you know together Kubrick kind of you know um pulling in the reins here and there as he does because he's such a masterful you know storyteller um but just the history of this film is just so cool and all the components coming together it's it just amazes me absolutely Um, and you know, no, uh, no computer generation. Everything is is models and um, done through special equipment, rotating sets. I mean, it's just incredible of its of its time. So hell yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. Uh, I, uh, I I keep saying I've been getting better at this, but I my first bunch of them I keep leaving out the, the synopsis which I like uh-huh. to read because sometimes they're spot on and sometimes they're just like, well, that no wonder the movie people <laughs> did like. Uh, so the synopsis for this is after discovering a mysterious artifact buried beneath the lunar surface, mankind sets off on a quest to find its origins with help from intelligent supercomputer HAL 9000, which is true. But if that's how you go into the movie thinking that's what the story is going to be solely about. <laughs> right. That doesn't happen until what, like, and maybe, oh gosh, how is this like at least an hour in? I was going to say, I'm, I'm not sure if it's sure. before the intermission, because that's a thing they have, which I forgot about entirely. It, yeah, it, it, it is before. It is before intermission. Yeah, yeah. because I believe, yeah, Hal is definitely before intermission. Right. Um, what happens during intermission is, I think he might, what is it? He he's the killing of Hal definitely happens after intermission. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like does he the I know but but Hal Frank? is pretty cool. I mean, like, I, I don't know. My favorite scene in cinema is in space. I mean, the whole thing to me is like I'm as a filmmaker, 
I think there's just so much complexity to the human condition and our soul and 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 I mean it makes me want to cry uh <laughs> but I, I I just I just love this film so much because I think it echoes and he was inspired by you know Homer's Odyssey that's where he got pretty much the name he got he got in, into gods and this film was about a god or gods right, right. the monolith but to me it, it just re represents the 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 beginning the middle and the end and then the evolution of it you know the start of it all over again and to oh, yeah. me that's that's just so beautiful i mean anyways to me it's an epic masterpiece i but, yeah i agree yeah. i definitely agree and uh that's honestly like a good way we can segue into because we we often do this like i have my structure you know you've seen my structure questions more or less and i never go like okay question number one we just kind of like work our way through it conversationally. So right. uh, the thing we usually start out with is just like initial thoughts on the movie versus like your first time watching it, if you can remember, oh. versus like your most recent <laughs> viewing, which for me oh, oh. is mm -hmm. like right before this. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, you watched it right before this? Like last night and this morning before my meeting. Yeah. That was the first time you saw it? No, 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 like not the oh, first oh, time, oh. not the first time. That's just like, okay. I always like to rewatch right before I do the recording. So I have like a fresh perspective. Right. I actually watched it last night too. Rewatched it again. Yeah. But I mean, if you're going to bring up the first time, um, I watched it pretty later in my life. I watched it eight years ago. Sure. And right, right. I wasn't a or yeah, eight, nine years ago. I wasn't a filmmaker yet. I mean, I was an actress. Uh, I'd gone to New York. I did, you know, some off Broadway. I did that thing. I wanted to be a Broadway actress, came home um, and started dating a filmmaker. And he opened my eyes to all this cinema. I mean, incredible stuff that I, as an actress, I just was like, I, I want to be in that. And as opposed to just, I want to make that. Yeah. But I remember he handed me a headphones and he was doing something and he's like, he's like, have you ever seen Space Odyssey? So I said, no. He hands me headphones and goes, go watch this by yourself. And he put it into his computer and I'm listening to it. And for the first time, I went, this film is me. Like this film describes me as an artist, my insides, what I have to, you know, everything. And it wanted me, I wanted to make films after that. That was the moment. Nice. The moment that I decided I was gonna be a filmmaker was watching Space Odyssey. So that's, that's why huge. this film is so important. Yeah. yeah. That's huge, definitely. Um, okay, awesome. Yeah, that's that's a great, that's a great first perspective on the movie for sure. I know like my <laughs> first perspective, the first thing I can remember seeing it, I never saw it all the way through until I was much older. I saw pieces of it as a kid, I remember. Um, and, you know, seeing pieces of this movie out of context, it, 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 you're good, basically. You can see it in almost any order and be fine. But um, I saw, like, going through the monolith, the wormhole, as it were, uh, mm. as a kid for the first time when I think I was like eight. I just remember going, wow, this is wild. This is cool. Look at all the colors. You know, I didn't think that much about it. But as an adult, especially in this last rewatch, I'm just like, Jesus. Holy shit. What what a what a sequence. It's just so much to contemplate through there. 
Um, yeah. That's kind of like, that's a good comparison just generally from the first to the most recent is, oh, wow, cool, a space movie. And then the more you watch it, especially as an adult with your own understanding of things, you're just like, this is like, wow, this is a journey, just a journey in itself, start to finish. Every single piece of this is like well-crafted and art artfully made to take you on sort of a deep dive into your own soul and mortality while also experiencing this cosmic journey. It's pretty wild. Right, I agree. Um, and you know, Kubrick set out, he's like, I really wanted to make a film about, I mean, it, it encompasses so much, but oh, yeah. um, definitely it's, you know, humans relationship to space and the beyond. And I don't know about you, but this de definitely during this quarantine, I got heavily into space and wrote like a paper on the solar system, like just because I just got yeah. into it. And um, so it's, it, 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 and, and the frontier of the unknown, you know, and that's what's so cool and harrowing too at the same time is it is a harrowing film. There's elements of suspense and he does it and he, he captures it so well with music as well. Mm -hmm. Music is, a part of the suspense. And what I love about Kubrick is that he incorporated, he, he let the abstraction of the music play into it as well. And um, I think as a, a filmmaker for myself, I gravitate towards abstractions and 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 art and mediums. Mm -hmm. Um leaving out the fine details so you can fill it out, I think is a really important element. Um, in making the personal universal, you know? Yeah. So it applies to everyone and everybody can have their own connection to it. Um, and I think that's really another reason why he stayed kind of away from a lot of dialogue. You know, it's, there's kind of an absence of, of dialogue in the film. Um, because I think dialogue, you know, it, it, dialogue is interesting. I had a teacher say once, you never know what you believe until you say it out loud. And by using dialogue and saying things, it makes you, it makes things concrete. And I think the absence of it plays into, into, into that subconscious element of what it can be. I, yeah, I could agree with that for sure. Uh ambiguity can be really, really helpful, especially in storytelling, just because, you know, st the stories are an experience and we, whether we're the storyteller or the person experiencing the story, that experience is always going to be a little bit subjective. So leaving it a little uh, ambiguous makes sense. You know, everybody's going to have a different sort of take on it or a different experience of the entire thing, period. So right. I agree. I think ambiguity is super helpful to play into your stories because it allows people to create some of it there themselves essentially yeah. and yeah i that's awesome that's like a good way to segue into just like generally what what we liked and why just anything we liked and why did we like it you know i i, I like the evolution the concept of the circle I, if you watch it you know you pick up a lot of the, the, the qualities of a circle mm -hmm. uh, um, obviously um, I was reading up on the monolith the alien monolith they actually wanted that to be a pyramid at the time mm -hmm. um, and then they were going to do it in plexiglass but the thing was actually taking too much time to make 
And so they uh, also went to Carl Sagan and they asked him, you know, what do you think about alien life? How would it, how would it appear? And Carl Sagan said uh, to them, you know, I, uh, why don't you think about alien technology um, instead? And I guess this, this, the kind of the monolith, a, a form of, of alien, you can call it a form of an alien or a form of alien technology came about as opposed to a biological entity. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I love about the film is that it's, it, 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 it's this representation. Um, so this, there's that and how it, how the pattern of it, you know, the pattern of, 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 of the motion of the circle of life, you have the monolith appearing four times, you have the planets as a circle, Hal's eye as a circle, you know, um, all, all these all these things that repeat Strauss in the beginning, Strauss at the end of the opening mm-hmm. of the film, um, the star-like child, you know, and this fetal. Um, so I, I like these kind of you know, symbolism and metaphors of it too. Yeah. 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 All yeah. The- Definitely all the symbolism is super cool. And yeah, circles and loops, stories have arcs for that exact reason. They're, there's, they're designed to be a place you start and finish at. And having a circle where it just kind of, the fact that you basically could rewatch this movie in a loop, more or less, is yeah. pretty brilliant. It's very cool. Um, and it speaks a lot to what you're saying right now. <laughs> uh, I think that's awesome. I was thinking about earlier, you were talking about like ideas of God or gods and things like that. And that imagery is very obvious. And that symbolism is very obviously there with the apes, especially at the beginning. They're uh, the monolith and the bone and the violence being like something that is like taught slash learned was was very cool, especially in our current climate of, uh, you know, so I was like rewatching this and just kind of taking all that in just like this group setting of like oh well now we figured out tools and tools is innovation but it also breeds like violence and war sometimes they kind of go hand in hand and sometimes it's unavoidable then the like the monkey beating the other monkey and then they all beat each other all the apes beat each like beat the one there it's had a very cane versus able sort of vibe to it it's mm. like a first a first murder sort of thing and uh, i was like okay that's interesting that's interesting and, uh, you know, then they launched the bone and now we're in space and all that. I was like, okay, this is a, like, the symbolism is very heavy and it always kind of was, but it's just kind of interesting to like, look at it through that lens the whole time and see uh, some of the stuff that's like, was going on at the time is still going on today and how much that is like still terrifying to think about. <laughs> it's like, shit, yeah. man, we haven't gotten that far, have we? Yeah. <laughs> That was also right. one thing, looking at all the, the way the sci-fi was visualized, I was like, this is supposed to be 2001. Right, nowhere right, near right. This. <laughs> right, right, I know. He took a wrong right. turn somewhere. <laughs> he was a little bit ahead of his time, I guess. He had, he, he, he had bigger thoughts. He, he oh, thought yes. we'd get a lot further, maybe. Um, yeah, and, and the fact that it's called 2001 and barely, you know, barely half the movie takes place in 2001 is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah it's like that's where our story our odyssey technically starts in 2001 but not really because not time really. is irrelevant 
yeah time yeah time is irrelevant yeah, time exactly. is irrelevant. yeah it, it's definitely a concept of time too yeah for sure that's wild you know the ending of the film is always like what because it kind of you know linearly it makes sense you know you can really kind of follow a story and all of a sudden when he goes to jupiter and he gets sucked into like this almost like a vortex when he approaches jupiter right and the monolith kind of shows it and he gets sucked in through time and and space and i i was reading up about you know kubrick and how he um he said, oh, you know, the, 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 whatever, he, he gets sucked into like the power of these gods. We never really see them, you know, gods, right. whatever they are. And his concept is that he then becomes a, like a, almost like a, a victim, like stuck in a zoo towards yeah. the end, living his life and watching himself grow older in in the concept of maybe minutes you know and then finally he dies and the gods you know basically kind of cast him off as like this kind of superhuman you know out into the world possibly going to help mankind on earth or whatever um in this floating fetus you know above it's interesting that that i finally read that interpretation and I never really, I mean, I guess I got that. I get it. It supports that. But to me, it was like not specifically ordained to him, that experience of being this reborn of, I don't know, this floating baby. I thought it was just kind of our own soul looking out at earth. And I don't know all of it's. I don't know. But I thought that was kind of interesting, this concept of gods watching us and participating in the kind of like their yeah, zoo yeah. experiments as you said <laughs> yeah yeah definitely well I, yeah. I like that idea a lot actually because the the whole zoo aspect is very interesting and playing out like the whole sending sending a the human baby to like earth to a superhuman baby to like help earth kind of thing it's like okay well yeah there's there's again that play on the god and like a savior being sent down sort of thing. I was like, okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Making it an astronaut. I can, I can vibe with that. That's, that feels realistic to me. Right. Who's <laughs> uh, of pure intention, you know? Right, exactly. That's, yeah. that's, that's always important. You know, he's tested with Hal and yeah, things like he, that. Which He tries to save his buddy like at all costs and then he can and he still tries to bring his body back. And then when he can't do that, he, uh, he you know, he works around it. But You're right. <laughs> uh but yeah, yeah he's 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 a, he's a good-hearted person and he's like working hard at trying to like make sure everything goes right so i like yeah. that interpretation a lot that's very interesting yeah yeah that's it is it's from him and i i yeah i, I enjoyed reading about that um wow, yeah because you know obviously there's a lot of ways to interpret the movie that's part of the whole being ambiguous thing but still though having that to look at gives me it gives just gives you a different perspective in general especially with like you know we've got all these superhero movies and like superman and everything that's the whole very similar sort of concept of like gods among men and then be having somebody sent down to the planet it's just interesting it's just an interesting sort of idea it is it is um yeah speaking of like that that marvel world uh yeah it's it, in a world where you know that every movie is about saving 
the species, you know, to me, I thought this was a much more personal interpretation, I guess, of gods or aliens. Yeah. Even though it doesn't really, yeah, it's personal. It's just it is really personal. Yet, um, uh, it doesn't really address it in the way that we're used to. You know, the yeah. story. Of, yeah. Um, and may may I add, off topic, favorite death scene of all time is in this film. Yeah. Of how? Oh yeah, my how, favorite. That's death a great scene. death scene. It is incredible i was i mean i, I never thought how hal, hal was when i first saw it i never interpreted hal as really evil evil even though you read about it and you'll go oh yeah the hal is pretty evil which stands you know it's an acronym for you know i guess see they went to ibm and said hey can we use you yeah you yeah. know and they said no <laughs> they found out that <laughs> that hal was going to be psychopath so they you know they took uh IBM, like the first uh, uh, H I, right? So uh, H is before I, and they and they did that, and they created Hal. Interesting. That. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. so cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very so, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. But when when he's being killed, you know, uh, I can feel it. You know, man, those yeah. lines every single time. You know. Is it manipulation? Can he feel it? You know, is he sentient? sentient? Just, yeah, I, I just love it so much. It brings up a lot of like cool ideas too about uh, creation and the act of creating something that possibly has consciousness. Like, we, what if it does? What if it can feel? Is that now its own self entity that we have to account for? And like, it's, it's rights, wants, needs, et cetera, you know? Yeah, uh, that's very interesting. And that I wrote that down as like one of the things that stuck with me is that death scene of Hal for the same reason. It's like it's just what struck me about it was from a writing context. It's almost solely one sided conversation. It's just Hal talking almost the entire time. Right. Up until the very end when uh, he finally says, yeah, go ahead and sing the song. And then that's like the only line he has, though, that whole scene. It's just Hal talking start to finish. And it's very effective compared to like when it's paired with the action of, of that, uh, the actions of uh, our astronaut friend. What's his name? Shit. Oh, Bowman or? Dave, duh. Oh, uh, Dave, yeah. Yeah. Dave Bowman. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's just a really, really evocative scene. It's really well done and it still kind of hits and, and has that same strong effect that it has every single time I watch it, I feel like it's, it's still really strong. It still really just hits you. Right. Yeah. Right. Very cool. Of course, yeah. Uh, all right, well, we were do talking about like what we liked, what worked for us and why. What, we mo what moments stuck with us the most and why is kind of like what we sort of segued into just already. Uh, and that's like one of those moments is that death scene. What other moments like stuck with you? Um. God, so many, um, you know, the opening of the film, I mean, you're a minute two and there's still no imagery and it's, you know, Strauss's, what is that? I wrote it down. The, oh, gosh, the Spikes are Athenian. I don't, that, that title by Strauss, of oh, the, of the piece, which is yeah. actually borrowed by Nietzsche. Um, Nietzsche, I guess, had a piece in, inspired and, and uh, Kubrick kind of borrowed borrowed uh, 
I was highly influenced by Nietzsche. Anyways, Absolutely. that always got me. I mean, as a storyteller, that 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 gives you uh, it kind of gives you permission when you see things that you really haven't really seen before in filmmaking. It it gives you permission to kind of present your own ideas and and try different things. And I think that that's really something that I love about this piece is it gives you liberty to kind of as a filmmaker try things. Yeah. Um, because it was ahead of its time. Um, and then opening on uh, opening up on you know on the um, ape like anthro anthropo I guess you would call them human hominoids hominoids and that sounds right yeah 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 and then you have a complete absence of music and you're just in this Sahara you know with these you know uh, ape like creatures knowing that that they represent your past, you know, as a right. connection to the, the evolving of the human species. And you're just watching them live. And there's no plot going on. And you're getting to like minute 30 and you're like, wow, uh, this is strangely compelling. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching like two warring, you know, tribes of ape like uh, clearly in, you know, costumes. Yeah. and uh living and then them killing and finding that bone in that moment he just sets it up so beautifully of discovery mm -hmm. all because of this monolith yep. um, structure that presents itself and presents knowledge or intelligence i think that's kind of what it's supposed to do is like every single time that anyways and of course the throwing up in the air and it going to space is such a beautiful juxtaposition of of a beautiful such a beautiful cut um yep. i i do get i do get less interested in the dr floyd section um i agree I think that is probably the least interesting and that's actually where i think the juxtaposition is the juxtaposition isn't in the beginning. Okay. It's really starting to kind of be in the middle with Dr. Floyd and, hey, we found this thing and this is, uh, we, we, we has these, um, you know, we're trying to figure it out. It has this strange qualities to it and it's found in, we're going to, what is it? This, this little station and then we're gonna go to the moon. But all of that feels like to me, it feels inf like information. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, it, and you have to fill that with interesting stuff. You know, you, that you have the rotating of the, the woman and she's like kind of rotating and she's, does the pen grab and you have all these space, you know, anti-gravity shots, yeah. which, are, which are kind of beautiful. And the, you know, representation of Dr. Floyd checking in on his daughter and you have that technology and, um. But it isn't, to me, it doesn't get interesting again, really, until they go to the moon and they're astronauts surrounding the, mono, the monolith, like you had the apes surrounding. And again, like, a, yep. a, you know, echoing that and they're all, and then the sound and then a deafening decibel of, of sound that I loved. That you was know, super you cool. have the music. Yeah, yeah, so cool. I think, um, um... I was gonna say, I think you're you're talking about like with the monoliths uh, representing like knowledge. I think you're right. I think you are right. Um, there was something I saw like a long time ago. I remember about the each monolith being something different or representing something different or ha do it having a different job. I guess. Oh. And I think huh. uh, 
say something about like one of like if the monoliths that go to the planets or something are there for uh inspiring like innovation or knowledge or something like that to like help i think help to help bring the the species up and right. then the second one the one on the moon i think is an alarm bell but i can't remember what it was an alarm bell for i don't know if it's like an alarm like oh they found it or hey humans can travel now or something like that the second one is found on the moon right and it's and it's and it's pointing towards jupiter yeah it's radio waves are pointing towards the the, the future like the yeah 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 so yeah, yeah so that's like I guess they each have a different job though is what I remember about it and like watching it this time I think that's probably true I just am not fully certain what the job of the huh. third one is especially based on like the zoo and the god conversation we've had so far because they both add interesting context to that question either way and this right and the third one is in actual space right yeah it's just before like is the rotating. gateways yeah right is is a, a actual passing through yeah and then the fourth one yeah and the fourth one he's on his deathbed you know it's such i never i never looked into it being for and specific monolith entities yeah they look the same to me you know i always yeah right figured it was i always thought they were the same thing the same you know I thought it was like um, literally the same one, like uh, like the one on the moon is the one that was on Earth, is the one that's in space, kind of thing. Or, but then I realized, oh, that's not it. Well, I mean, it, you know, it, yeah, I mean, and and in many ways, it's it's it, it kind of brings up an interesting point, you know. Super, they're supposed to be highly super intelligent, right? Mm -hmm. Super intelligence, and. You know, if you rob um, a thing, an individual of of an uh, of an identity of its own separate identity, you get a super intelligent. I guess, I guess they would all look alike. I mean, of a, how, of, a, of a featureless, so they're all in tuned. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. As I often think about that, is that is that is that the ultimate goal concept of evolution of change are we all going to eventually be the same so we can't really there would be no judgment i think based on aesthetics but more in tunes with a subconscious you know yeah. energy interesting um, I'm not big questions big big questions you know yeah. and in Ex Machina, I mean, another great film, but I'll just bring it up, goes in, goes kind of into that, you know, the power of sexuality and, and the physical form and what that means. Yeah. But if you rob, if you rob that, then you have, then you have just what's on the inside, right? Or what, what that thing is really capable of intellectually or, you know, I don't know. It's, kind of cool I th I, that is cool and i think there is something to that because that maybe is like part of the experience of that the journey like we were talking about at the beginning a little bit you can't really put anything familiar onto that because it is so featureless that you have to come up with something on your own so it lends right. to that ambiguity it lends to the like experiencing the journey as a solo thing and the fact that like 
you were told to watch it by yourself, I think is perfect because watching this with an audience would only be like, whoa, amazing during the big spectacle moments. But otherwise, it's going to be such a quiet affair and people are not good at quiet. And that's yeah. part of this is like you have to sit in the quiet with your own thoughts in space and like really think about shit, which right. I love. But I know, you know, most people can't like sit still for five minutes without looking at their phone or 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 being influenced by the person that you're sitting next to watching it, you know, having checking in on them. What are they getting from it? Am I getting it? My, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really sometimes it's so great to go watch, especially a movie like this by yourself, you know, and 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 pick up information as opposed to be at the disposal of someone else's right. opinion. You know? Like don't be, you know, oh, this movie is kind of cool. I don't really get it. And then the person next to you is like, no, this is what's going on, and yada yada. You're like, oh now i get it i'm interested more that's you right, shouldn't right. have to do that the whole point is yeah write it out on your own so you can experience it and really have to think about it but if you're not ready to sit down and think and really think about all, like all those big questions for god how long three hours this movie i think two and two hours and 39 minutes or something yeah <laughs> that's so fun like in well for the 60s that getting an intermission makes sense because i'm like man we release movies like that on the regular now <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no intermission just deal with it basically plus you know the credits and the the trailers and all that so yeah, yeah. wild um yeah talking about movies that have a lot of ambiguity or pull up or kind of call on big questions are always really interesting and a lot of fun to me just because you can interpret so much or kind of infer whatever you want but there are things that i think make more sense than others obviously right that's a good way to move into like any personal highlights uh we talked about like what stuck with us the most but like any other personal highlights just like really little things it could be anything like uh personal highlight for me for example is you were talking about the pen thing i love that pen thing. it's just like floating through the air that's still a personal highlight because I just go, man, I know this is probably like a string or something, but it looks cool. The effect still works all these years later. I love it. I think it's so cool. Um, and then another personal highlight, you already said it, the opening. Just the whole opening of the movie is just so sweeping and dramatic and like this overture of crazy music and slow imagery that is beautifully paired together, I think, and is kind of represented, repre representative? Yes, representative. Of, yeah. yeah, of the, uh, <laughs> like the whole movie though, because there's yeah. just so much of it that is that way. And it kind of, if you think about it, it's like setting you up for what you're in for, almost mm -hmm. off of that. And I love oh, yeah. that. Um, oh yeah. So those are some personal highlights for me. Uh, but yeah, personal highlights from the movie specifically on performance moments set pieces story costume anything anything and everything god i mean i could go on and on and on because i love this movie so much but i i i just i'm in love with that revolving shot of of dave when yeah. he's running and working out man you know how it just cuts to that and so good kind of like just so good yeah you know and I, I just love how they represent hal as this circle of red you know image this image of like a, a red eye 
Um, I'm, I'm in love with that, you know, as far as, you know, as far as acting, I, I, I love the guy who did, uh, Dave. I love his performance. I thought that it was really, really interesting and, 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 and grounded. And my, my thoughts go sometimes to like, Oh, I wonder how Kubrick directed these actors. There's a great scene in which, yeah. you know, he's, he's in an interview, <laughs> he's in an, he's in an interview with his friend. Do you remember this? And it's kind of like, it's kind of like broadcast and he's like, yeah. The guy's like, hey, so what's it like to be an astronaut? And they they both go to like answer the question. Yeah. And Bowman turns, he's like, ha, ha. and then he turns back and he addresses it. And I I I often think, I was like, I bet you Kubrick told him his scene partner, you know, like, yeah. just just go ahead and and answer and 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 you know, and forcing forcing the other person to be completely caught off guard. Bowman to be completely caught off guard. He was like, oh, oh yeah, okay. But um, I, I just, um, I, I'm in love with that, that, that arc, that, that story of Bowman as, as being, you know, being in that predicament to, to save the lives of, you know, the people on the, sh the, the ship, the, mm -hmm. the, the scientists, his, his friends and himself. I love the vortex, you know, of the light of going through, I mean, that simple imagery. Um, it goes on a long time, and I read that Kubrick actually had never done any drugs, neither had Clark done any hallucinogens, I guess. So they, they went and they interviewed a whole lot of people who had, and uh, a lot of comments were like, yeah, if you just did it, you would, it would be a lot shorter of a sequence. But, um, and then I love the Victorian quality of this zoo, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the, the kind of a representational idea. I'm always fascinated with that. I'm actually writing something right now in, in, in terms of aliens, AI, kind of what their idea of, of a human existence is, Yeah, you know, yeah. the tapping into, oh, what would they like? Or what would appeal to them? Um, and I, and I really love the fact that they set it in this just abstract victorian cage you know filled with godlike statues and like images and um and then i think in the moment uh when the monolith appears and oh and he breaks the wine do you remember that part the the the, the, yeah. the glass yeah. breaks and it kind of cuts to him dying in bed and you're right yeah and I think that's really cool. Like the, the, the physical manifestation of the glass breaking is the body kind of dying. Yeah, and then really he, starts cool. he starts pointing. And I wish I could take the credit for this, the pointing, but then there's the monolith standing over, but that's supposed to, could possibly be that Michael, Michelangelo, right? Uh, Did that painting of the- Got it. God being connected yeah. to uh, to Adam. That's um, very cool. Interesting. Yeah. So there's tiny little things in there. I'd love to watch it again and go. You know what? What biblical aspects or religious, spiritual, whatever are are really kind of hidden in this in this film, um, myth mythologically speaking, too. Yeah. Um, and the baby. That's probably a huge part. Yeah, that 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 got me. That was like, okay, yes. I was about to say the baby for sure was one of the things I was going to talk about because uh, I had a thought that's connected to it. But say your thought first. 
Well, simply that, oh my God, um, you know, I, I believe, I'm getting kind of a little deep here, but no, no, go for I, it. I, I definitely believe in reincarnation, but I also believe that we are not earthbound. I do believe that there's a sense that we, I don't know, this sounds crazy, but I, let's just say I believe in reincarnation and it doesn't have to be that you reincarnated on earth. So that's yeah, kind of what I, that I, that I lean towards on a spiritual side with no proof <laughs> that, that could possibly exist. Hey, no judgment. And uh, <laughs> these are once, especially once we get to the big questions too, but you know, if there's anything you need to, you need me to trim out, you just say the word. <laughs> like, <laughs> we have the technology. Uh, but honestly, like, uh, I don't, I don't really think that's that nuts. Like, I feel like we, we had a conversation once where I kind of like, uh, I kind of outlined my rough idea of like death and dying and that experience a little bit too, based on like uh, Bell's theorem where it's it's a little bit have to do with like multiverse theory but i think that it is all connected it literally is yeah. all connected in a sense and uh i could see that being like a plausibility you know we yeah. theorize that if there's other worlds they would be on opposite sides of the freaking world or galaxy possibly that we couldn't travel to inside of like a hundred million years so yeah, it's very likely you could wind up somewhere else as like a different entity entirely, but you're still you because of reincarnation and your like soul and your energy and just all that stuff. I think it's it's there's a lot of deep questions that you can really dive into with this movie, like we said earlier, and that's definitely one of them. Um, and I don't think that it's like a bad one to have, honestly. Like what's 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 so bad about uh, potential reincarnation or even you know offloading into like another version of yourself on another version of existence or reality like who cares yeah well, that, i think that's cool i think that's a really cool cool idea and not outside the realm of possibility so no not at all not at all and i agree with the bell theory i yeah. totally yeah i i yeah it's uh right. Yeah, that's a that, that, that's a different podcast entirely. We could have a whole science <laughs> and space and astrophysics like podcast. Yeah. I'm sure there's so many of them, and there's a lot of cool ones too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the cause I wrote down here: the cosmic uncertainty of cosmic possibility is overwhelming and terrifying, but so fascinating and alluring. And I think that that kind of sums up my my feeling about like space and space travel and like the movie and watching these like sweeping scenes is yeah there's just so much out there that we don't know about the 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 like you said the the frontier of the unknown i believe and yes that's exciting and terrifying all at the same time very much so very much so you know everything is relative and um we always frame it under the human condition you know especially of ourselves too um mostly of ourselves culturally maybe second yeah but what always surprises me also about kubrick's work and uh, you know he was a photographer first and his father was a doctor i believe um is that he also he takes in all the senses you know visually mm -hmm. i think is his forte but be but he also plays really close attention to sound 
And the sound in his movies are just an art form in itself. Mm -hmm. uh, music in this case being one. I mean, this movie would not be what it is without that soundtrack for sure. Um, with Joel I, Goldsmith on it and I have Strauss a really funny factoid about that actually. Okay, I want to hear it. Uh, apparently they had, I don't know the composer's name. This is like oh. just a random factoid I know, but they had him do a whole score and a soundtrack for this movie while Kubrick was working on the edit. But he was yeah. doing the thing we all do, which was temp editing with temp score. And that's the yeah. music that we hear in the movie is what he decided to use for the temp editing. Yep. Which I yep. think is phenomenal because that oh, like that rarely happens. <laughs> I know. I know. I think that the story is, is that he had to go and show it and he uses it as temp music. And he's like, oh, I think this is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then like the actual score the composer gave, it's like, it's not bad. It's just, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's just yeah, not yeah. the same. He also had someone working on music. Um, what was his name? Alex was it Alexander? I think the first name. He had done Streetcar. Oh, um, okay. And he was the hired composer. And they he he found out opening night and premiere that his music wasn't in it. Oh no. That's the yeah. worst way to find out for sure. Awful. It's like, this isn't my score. Yeah, I mean, that's just like, so, yeah. Oh, that would that'd be a rough one. That, yeah, well, I don't think he, yeah. I, I think feelings were not really, a, other people's feelings were not really a part of the process, process. process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could, there's a lot we could say about Kubrick, obviously. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a, again, known, that's, that's a different the, podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but i just like the thought of that though of twofold showing up and finding out that your music isn't in the score and it's just like other music that's really great music but it's not your music and then having yeah. literally anybody who isn't up to date on their music or doesn't know their composers go like lean over to you and go hey this sounds really great man good job and you're like <laughs> oh my god oh my god you're right you're right those feelings that, that he oh. must have been experiencing i mean what i i i don't know i would i would have probably walked out i, yeah. I don't know but <laughs> like, i'm gonna, like, I'm gonna see where work. this movie goes i yeah, guess yeah. but i'm not happy about it. <laughs> can you imagine like later in life he's just trying to get rid of that music that he created being like wow oh okay as a, as a composer later yeah. you know having other jobs and trying to pawn off this music that was never used for space odyssey because you i mean you that's your stuff. You gotta use it somewhere. You gotta, right? I, yeah. I I keep thinking about like movies who, you know, scores have been reused a bunch. And right. there are songs that show up in so many movies and also scores that show up in or specific like tracks show up right. in specific movies. But it's the same thing where I go, Well, why can't we get a lot of those tracks that nobody really got to hear and put those on some other movies? I'm sure there's movies that they would fit just as well especially sci-fi ones oh for they sure were written for sci-fi movies but... <laughs> <They> were... <laughs> uh, okay the music is definitely definitely one the, that definitely a highlight uh, the yeah the music yeah. music and, and and sounds he's just such a master at knowing when to stop and start sound and and giving it as hair like when he's breathing out in space 
Yeah. And his helmet. And you just hear that and it becomes like this heartbeat almost of breath, you know, he just, he's just so good at that. He's just, you know, I mean, oh, and the moment in The Shining where, what's his name? Little boy. Oh yeah, Danny, yeah. Danny is riding his his motorbike in the hall and you get the hardwood floors and the carpet and the hardwood floors and the carpet and the hardwood floors. It just sets you, it sets you up for this, you know, jarring anticipation of what's going to come next. And he, he, he gets that. He, he, yeah. he, and he stands that. And that goes, you know, that, that falls into the, the kind of like the horror genre really. And the suspense, the suspense genre really. Uh, yeah. Like the attention to detail in almost everything that he does, like every aspect, it's pretty kill. And it's it's obvious why he's inspired so many filmmakers and, and artists. It's because of the work that he put out. Everything is meticulous and fine-tuned. And famously, he does like take after take after take after take until he gets exactly what he wants to see, which yeah. everybody's got their process and some are more extreme than others. And fair enough, you know, do what you're going to do as long as you don't fully abuse all your people <laughs> again different podcast but uh yeah yeah i just think yeah, okay. the, uh, that meticulousness and that attention to detail it comes through in the in the filmmaking and because of those details it's what makes a lot of those things stick with you so much i feel like yeah they're so easy to picture because they were so cleanly visualized and presented to you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which i like yeah 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 he had a lot of power back then in his own master way masterful way you know he he, oh, yeah. he people people believed in him people saw his vision and i think that's such a great that's the quality that you have to have as a as a director as a filmmaker is people by seeing your vision and yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. on a segue there's a great documentary called film worker i don't know if you've seen it with not. the Vitali, you should watch it. Um, check it out. I think yeah. his name is Vitali. I actually met him. I I saw. I took Kate, Katie Oliver, my best friend. Um, I took her to see Space Odyssey just about a couple of years ago, when uh, yeah, at the ArcLight, the dome, and Ooh, okay. uh, Vital Vincent Vitali, I think is his name, was there, and he uh, is is in Film Worker, and it's a documentary about him being Ooh. Kubrick's guy like go-to guy and responsible for oh, all the deliveries everything uh he's in Barry Lyndon anyways watch it film work yeah film work incredible writing it down here for my notes hell yeah I'll check that out for sure I just found out like I guess I'm late to the game on this there's a whole documentary about making 2001 a space odyssey that I guess is up on and watchable now either on HBO or Amazon that I have not seen yet but i hear is really good oh, have you seen it or heard I, of it because i hadn't until like today i haven't i mean is it a new is it like just what is it a new one or i uh, let me check don't... i'll double check because i had not heard of this previous uh let's see uh the making of 2001 a space odyssey i guess it came out 2019 so it's two years old oh yeah, no, I had no idea. No, yeah. Hmm, curious. Yeah, wild. I I would 
I'll check it. I'll check it out and let you know. Yeah, please. I'm very curious. I'm super curious about it. Yeah. Ah, Weird. just on that. Uh, yeah, I'm. What that would uncover. Woo. Yeah, yeah, I'd be very interested to know, like what uh, what all they show and what all you get to see them doing. Mm-hmm. Answer a lot of questions. Totally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the only other thing I was going to say if, as far as like personal highlights, uh, I meant to, I was going to bring it up earlier, the baby thing, but it just dawned on me and I would want to rewatch this probably from like doing a whole, whole color theory perspective study on it. Cause I'm sure he put a lot of thought into that too. Um, mm. but the way he used color throughout the movie, especially for like so much of being in the stark darkness of space. Um, when we do get color, I feel like those color splashes are like very interesting and very important and uh, maybe are supposed to be symbolic, but I couldn't help but realize Hal's red circle eye is like red, right? right. And then um, Bowman's eye is like a green blue. And then like the God eye light we see at the end is blue. And the baby embryo is like a purple, like a mix of red and blue. I don't know. Mm. I feel like there, 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 maybe there was something specific by design in there. And now oh. I want to watch it again just to look at that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. The concept, yeah, of color and the connection of that. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's like, that's one of those things that I always think about probably last anytime I'm watching any movie is whatever color theory or color ideas that they were using when they were shooting. And I probably should not do that, but it is literally the last thing I think about. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it always does matter. And it's always evocative well, for. Well, I think it ma I think the reason why it's last is because it's subconscious and it's supposed that's to be fair. subconscious. A great, a great, great yeah that's, you're right so i think that that's a that's that's okay let me go back fair and think enough. about it yeah, yeah. fair enough yeah. So, oh, that's a, another reason just to why i love movies in general there's just so much that goes into the making of a movie and you can't always you can't always see that the first time you watch it you, you gotta yeah. sometimes it takes time to like really sit with the movie to see all the, the fine or you don't or you don't realize that you're piecing together a story based on subconscious things that are happening. Right. Until you kind of go back and you look at the building blocks that made you put that story together and they're there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I guess uh, honestly, we're, we're kind of, we're circling, circling the end of uh, the, structured, the structured questions here as it were. <laughs> uh, we got through the personal highlights and uh now we just have like any any closing thoughts on the movie itself that uh just haven't come up or just pop into your head uh closing thoughts i i i think i i think uh one of the best things is to uh watch this movie alone and that it's okay if you don't get it and I just think it's a, a brilliant masterpiece that can really stand the test of time because it's an odyssey um, as it is in the title. Yeah, I, anyways, that's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I agree with that, I agree with that. It is, I mean, 2001 Space Odyssey, it is an odyssey. It's, it's, 
it's a hell of a journey, a cosmic journey at that. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, even with our, our half hour or so of uh, Dawn of Man ape action, which by the way, those, I got to give it up to those actors. I, I keep forgetting that this movie came out in 1968, yeah. you know, and that's, that's a consideration it's, that's easy to forget, but you have to remember every time you watch the movie just for what they pull off. Um, oh my gosh, I know. And you know, to think about that, this movie like came uh, before, you know, The Shining and, and I mean, to do a two and a half hour film as I think it was like, it's not his first, it's definitely not his first film, but right. it's definitely in the middle if not towards the beginning I think but to have that to pull that off it's just unbelievable because this film almost feels like I don't know if you've ever seen Akira Kurosawa's dreams yeah yeah you know that that film is kind of a representation of you know the, the the subconscious of of a life and this too feels like that of that level but to make it towards the middle of your career as opposed to like towards the end when you're looking back, it's kind of remarkable that he had the genius in him at, at that point to do it. It's very, yeah, it is very interesting. I, I wanted to look and I think it's almost literally in the middle of his career. Like direct, like he's, he's got 16 credits, which is, Stanley Kubrick only has 16 credits? That's fucking crazy. For some reason, I thought he was way more prolific in his like output, but uh, I mean, his movies, his body of work speak for themselves, though. So, but yeah, yeah, he's got 16 credits, and 2001 is sixth from the top, so it's a little after the midway of his career. That's uh, wild, but yeah, that is kind of that is wild. Wow, and there's like it was yeah, a tw- $12 million budget. Which is also crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, I mean, that budget is, is not nothing to sneeze at, even by today's standards. But at the same time, that's like what indie movies get made with now. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's what they're making big studio director movie with at the time. Right. Nuts. Yeah. And they filmed it in his studio in London. Yeah. Um, because he hated living in the United States. Uh, he wasn't much of a fan. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, uh, you can't, I don't know that anybody could play it. Uh, yeah. I think it's like, it came out a year before the moon landing, which is like fun trivia, because everybody was like, the moon landing's fake. They hired Stanley Kubrick to do it. And then he made this movie instead. Yep. It's like a running theory, which I think is hilarious. I think it's hilarious too. Uh, yeah. There's a movie they made about that exact thing, actually, that was actually really funny. It was super dumb. Uh, it's oh. like Rupert Grant and uh, Ron Perlman's in it. It's it's strange. <laughs> oh, weird, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that 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 was definitely that idea was floating around, and there's nothing that really points to it. I know um, that he was heavily influenced Kubrick was heavily influenced by the idea of this of the the moon landing yeah and that he was doing his own research um on that but yeah yeah no yeah. <laughs> yeah. and they bring that up in film worker too by the way 
Oh, nice. All right. Yeah. All right. That's the, cool. that's the idea that he, that it was made by the inlining was made by him. Yeah. No. Awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm even more excited to check that out now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the last closing thought that I have on, on the movie as a whole is just that like, it is, it's haunting, it's gorgeous, it's fun, it's, uh, it's thought provoking, and it's a hell of a ride if you watch it. But it's not going to be like a thrill ride as much as it's going to be like a slow sort of introspective, man, metaphysical journey, I, I would say, I guess. Yeah. Probably yeah. a spiritual journey, if anything. Yes. Agreed. Um, and then other than that, my other closing thought is just that uh, doing the, the void slash the wormhole has captured imaginations for decades for sci-fi writers and sci-fi fans alike and uh, has definitely inspired inspired a lot of shit that's, uh, that I've been working on, especially in recent, recent time. But um, seeing, seeing that version of it visualized and like likening it to an acid trip like you were talking about and that's who they interviewed people they're like oh tell us about your psychedelic experiences and they're like they're not like this <laughs> uh i think that's fun and interesting though at the same time just because even with the mathematical possibility of let's say a wormhole or an einstein rosenbridge it has occurred to me that i don't know that there would ever be one way to visualize that because I don't know that any one person could properly visualize it because I don't know that we would have the like the actual capability to perceive uh, everything that would potentially be there. So I think wormhole visualizations are always interesting just because it's like, this is cool to see what this person feels this would look like. Right. That's very true. Uh, although I did read that um almost everybody that they interviewed that that had this psychedelic experience said that they were able to touch god that they were very able interesting to, yeah in that in, and in the end that's you know him kind of reaching out is kind of a physical representation of that i think yeah super cool yeah yeah that was just like closing thoughts just random things that popped into my head there at the end that i was like oh that's interesting to think about leave uh, people listening with some things to ponder. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you haven't seen this movie, like it's not, like I said, it's not an action ride. It is a slow, suspenseful journey, but it's worth it. It's worth, it's it's, worth the watch. It's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a poem, I think. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, a lyrical poem. It's a great yeah. way to describe it. Yeah. With characters coming in and out that equals the bigger picture, I think, yeah. Yeah. Discernibly, like people, a lot of people argue there's there's no real story or structure, but I fully disagree. And I think uh, that's a fun thing to debate, honestly. So if nothing else, you can watch the movie for that and, uh, and come debate me. Yes. <laughs> Chris. All right. Well, that was our, our discussion on uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. And I will go ahead and say here that uh, there are probably no shortage of things we could have said or talked about with this movie, I feel like, and a lot of things, big questions too, that we could have gone over. There's just not enough time. There's just never no. enough time. No. Uh, but hey, and this could be one we revisit just generally. I, I, I want to do a whole section on space movies as a thing. So uh, I might come back to this one. 
I think that's be, yeah, it's a it, it, that's a great idea. I mean, there's so much into this film that can be supported and leads to the rabbit hole of a of a wormhole of other topics. Hell yeah! So, that, was, that was yeah. good. That was a good. Uh, that was a good little, segue. There little too. segue. Yeah, good, that's good. That's good. <laughs> uh, that moves us on here to our our next segment, the uh, the big questions, as I like to call them. Big questions. Mm. Uh, Scott's big questions. Um, okay. What is? If you Which I didn't remember, read, by the way. So this is going to be uh, this is going to be off the top of my head here. Ooh, well. Which is which? Okay, yeah. I could could go could go really well. really smooth or it could be really rough. I could shoot myself in the face. I know I could. <laughs> All right. Uh, the first question is they start the first. Well, here's the nice thing: is uh, you come on again, the big questions will change because they can't be the same. Um, but the big questions will also get harder slash more bigger. difficult. Yeah, bigger. <laughs> the bigger question just becomes. Yeah, bigger they're like bigger. they're big questions, but they're movie questions. Until I'm like little 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 I just have no clue. Yeah, I exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we start we start off pretty pretty fair, I think. Okay. So question one: What's the first movie you ever saw? If you can remember, whether that was in a movie theater, at a drive-in, VHS at home, whatever, whatever form you saw it. In. <laughs> Well, one of the first movies I saw uh, that's still uh, probably not the first, but it's still one of the first and it still has a big Im impact on me is uh, Watership Down. The, the cartoon, okay. the, uh, the, the cartoon 1970s version. Yeah, yeah that's yep. brutal. <laughs> yeah. It, it all started because, and I was like, probably like seven yeah and it was that radio shack and they had a big bin of like movies you know vcr obviously everybody vcr and my dad said go pick up go pick a movie out of that bin i saw watership down and it had bunnies on it you know cartoon bunnies i was like mm -hmm. oh this is gonna be cute and so my dad bought it. I don't think he had any clue, you know, what the story was. It just cartoons, okay. And I remember putting it in and watching it. And I went, oh. yep. Or just, I just, I, I went, oh my god, movies, are, movies can be this dark. <laughs> so, so that was kind of like one of the first um, experiences that I, I had a visceral um, reaction to. Um by my by myself as a little kid watching that watching That's that film. so rough that movie is so so rough for kids oh yeah but i got oh that's amazing <laughs> yeah it, oh, it reminds me of my dad and you know and that kind of experience in the black rabbit and stuff so yeah that's cool that's cool all right that's a cool connection to it though that's a cool connection to it i like that I just I was like I remember that movie and that movie definitely was was a bit of a traumatizing incident. You're just like, oh, cool! All the bunnies just drowned. Great, that was awesome. yeah. <laughs> oh, I know the bunnies <laughs> drowning, blood. The yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, this is this is just bad. okay. Well, this is what we're doing. Yeah, uh, but but then the black <laughs> rabbit of you know you know chasing after him and finally catching up and going, it's time and yeah. I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. Impactful for sure. And very impactful. 
That's a good one. All right, that's a good one. Okay, so that's a solid first uh, first movie there. Okay, uh, what are your top three movies and why? There's a qualifier for this question because everybody's like, seriously, I fucking hate that question. They don't need to be your top th favorite, like three favorite movies of all time. They're just your top okay. three top three movies. They could be your current top three movies. They could be categorically your top three movies. You get to decide. I mean, there's, God, there's so many of them. Um, well, Space Odyssey. Space Odyssey, Space Odyssey. Um, for some reason, I, I just love the movie Sideways. Fair um, enough. By Alexander Payne. I, that movie, if I had to be by myself on a deserted island, uh, that would be a movie I would take. All right. I don't right. know what it is. It has amazing elements of, 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 of comedic performances in it. I think it's heartfelt. I think it's complicated um, in terms of relationships. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it's bearable. You know, it, 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 it's bearable. It's an easy, it's an easier uh, spoon to swallow in some ways of of a life of, of of what it you know um so i don't know i i love alexander's Payne's work for that reason because i think okay. he does such a beautiful job of mixing comedy and and and, and the really dark stuff of life um especially relationships yeah and then you know oh god the 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 I don't know. I, it can only be three. God, that's so hard. Um, well, like I've had people do uh, like uh, include entire sagas as one of their picks kind of thing. So it's like, oh, okay. however you want to categorize it works for me. Whatever um, ones you want to like mention currently. Yeah. So I would, I would say, I would say that. And then, you know what, I'll, I'll put in uh, raw. I'll say raw. Raw's a good I one. saw that about three, three years ago, probably three years ago. And it's a French film. Love French cinema. I mean, blue is the warmest color. Also, I was gonna is a toss up. Oof, good um, one, good one. But um, bra, um, only because I love horror and I've, I I I love that element. It's my favorite genre. Mm -hmm. um, to to of expression, um, and I just think it's a beautiful piece in terms of growing up, of yeah. a coming of age story. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I really like that movie. Cannibalism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was, it was, that sh that should be noted because uh, I'm sure somebody would be like, "Oh, raw, let me check this out. What? What yeah. is this about now?" Uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's cannibalism involved, but it, it's a horror movie and it's pretty damn good. Um, yeah, right. I haven't watched it in a couple, probably maybe since right after it came out. It's been a while, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I gotta rewatch that. It's good. Yeah, it's, it is a good one. Okay uh good picks all solid picks great next question what uh -huh. movies are you looking forward to that aren't out yet i know that's tough to do given the covid year we we are all going through but there's still stuff wow. coming out so oh you asked the wrong person for this because i have no concept of any films coming out i mean i i wish i could have a great answer for this but i have no clue um i 
I don't really, I just have Netflix and I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I could tell you what stories that I would be interested in seeing, interested in seeing more, you know, like more of the horror um, genre, more of the mm-hmm. suspense. Um, I love independent indie, indie stories. I think they're, they're great. Um, I did watch uh, Justice League, mm-hmm. uh, the new one by Snyder. Um, and I love that. So I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be interested in seeing how, you know, Marvel slash DC films kind of evolve mm-hmm. um, yeah. on a dark, on a darker kind of a, a subject line of not playing the jokes. Um, yeah. So um, it, yeah. And getting smarter and smarter. I, I'm, I'm interested in that. Yeah. Awesome. I, I think I agree with you on that, though, just generally. It's like we need more. We need more with those stories. Uh, they need to get smarter for sure. Making things kind of like dumbed down and easy to digest doesn't make it good. It makes it exactly no. that easy to digest. You're right. Right. Well, they want to encompass as many, you know, audience members as they possibly can to the general public, I think. And right. I think films are starting to get more Nietzsche, Nietzsche, but Nietzsche, I think. <laughs> yeah, Nietzsche, yeah. you know, Nietzsche, Nietzsche. Um, yeah, I got so, you. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more free. <laughs> Thanks to, you know, the evolution of, you know, all the online media, so platforms. We got a lot of, there's going to be some cool stuff, I think, on the horizon. Um, let's see. Last, last big question for, uh, for this first round of, of podcasting is uh, just literally any personal recommendations not mentioned above. Oh, personal recommendations of some of films. Movies, TV shows, uh, music even, good books, audio books, whatever you got. Okay. Um, well, right now I'm kind of into um, astrophysics. So mm-hmm. I've been reading a lot on, I have Carl Sagan's, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now as, as a reference point, Carl Sagan's Cosmos. Nice. Um, I'm obsessed with Anthony, the late Anthony Bourdain. Uh, mm. The Kitchen Confidential is great. I'm actually writing a novel um, and I'm going to South Dakota in July Ooh. where it takes place. So uh, I I have um, my research uh, called Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee, which was, I think, by Brown. It's not, I think in in classes or in school, it's, you know, allowed to read it. Um, And then just for fun, from from fun other books, like Mary Kubrick's The Other, Other Place or something. But Music, I'm kind of stuck in the past. I'm a huge Joy Division fan. Oh, sure. I'm a huge Kira fan. I mean, you know, that that kind of those late uh, groups. Um, and in terms of cinema, I, I definitely something about, you know, the classics to me, The Graduate, um, specifically the ending of that film you know um there's just so so much in that um akira kurosawa i think Mm. it's so important for filmmakers to see movies from um other countries you know particularly asian french italian um there's such a whimsical element of those films 
they almost speak to like a higher conscious part of yourself mm -hmm. because the, the the way that they tell a story is not so linear yeah and they also have like especially in the asian culture you know korean culture there's kind of um an idea of an afterlife of ghosts you know they kind of deal on in that a lot in horror too um so i just think that that watching those types of films and it's easy i know they have you know subtitles and stuff like that people say it's really hard but but you get accustomed to it you know um and um you get absorbed yeah in it for sure um yeah but i, I was very fortunate enough to date the right people <laughs> that, opened, <laughs> that opened up my eyes to uh, a lot of really important um i could say i think art that really spoke to me Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Good recommendations. Good recommendations in there. I mean, not just like the books and the movies, obviously, but like the music too. I probably think of a lot of things after like in the shower, like, oh man, why did I think of that? You know, that those thought that's processes, of course. always like, how it goes. And that's like that? the minute it ends, everybody's yeah, like, gosh, like, I should have mentioned this. I should have talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, great recommendations, like I said. Uh, and then also, because you recommended it to me, uh, the the film week, film worker, film worker, film worker, uh, Vitaly. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's a recommendation that you just gave me. So I'm going to add that to your list there at the end here. And sure. uh, I will have to form an opinion after I watch it, but I'm sure it's going to be good because it's about this process and this guy who films this movie so um yeah. it'll be exciting yeah and I, I also think that it's really it's cool to kind of go to museums every once in a while and go to galleries and look around oh, yeah. and you know all that i think is kind of closed right now a lot of them it is but how important that is you know and taking walks and going going on adventures and mm -hmm. getting away clearing your mind meditating yeah um yeah yeah. Art and culture and, and just introspection in general is, is so beneficial to people and not enough people really take the time for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, all right, then that uh, leads us to the very last thing, which is just uh, any tags or pluggables that you want to drop here for anybody to follow uh, Facebook pages, Instagram things mm -hmm. for anything you're working on for you, whatever you want. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, um, anybody can, you know, follow friend me on Facebook. Um, Kristen Hansen, I'm on Kristen. Um, and, and I will love on Instagram named after the sh first show that I wrote. So I, I kept, I will love, um, as my handle and I'm excited. I'm, I'm actually going to be directing my first feature. Um, we kind of had a setback during this last year with COVID, but it's going to happen and it's called sunny boy and it takes place uh in oakland so we'll be shooting up in oakland and we have an, an incredible cast attached to it um so there's that awesome, i also awesome. did a yeah i'm so excited we also have a short i did a short film in quarantine inspired by uh um, a mentor who said you know you don't really have a lot of horror in your directing reel why don't you do a scene uh, write a scene and this idea kind of morphed into a, a huge um, 20 minute film I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and sticks and stones so that's and it's 
last cut in doing music and sound and I'm really looking forward to to putting that in the world and seeing where that goes and and yes and then so I'm, I'm also working on another project that just kind of landed in my lap about a couple of weeks ago so awesome. yeah very cool yeah. All yeah. right. Uh, I mean, I can vouch for I've seen I have seen a an early cut of Sticks and Stones and it was great. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited for you to finish that one. Get it out there because I'm sure people are going to be be into it. Um, Sunny boy, you're you're shooting. When do you when do you return to shooting? When does that pick back up? Well, we we are still looking for financing with invest. You know, that's that's a whole nother it's it's trying to make a feature film is complicated oh, yeah. and you 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 you're in awe of any film that ever gets made that's at the point where i am right now i'm like oh wow a lot of work went into that even though it could be a crappy crappy film you're like it's made it got made and and that's that's a feat in itself right. um so yeah so 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 we have everybody kind of lined up. We have all our, you know, mo most of our talent um, and our, our art department, all the, all that kind of stuff. It's just now the logistics of, of, of it all. Yeah. I think we were talking about it. It's just uh, the biggest hurdle. The biggest hurdle is often the money aspect of things. But in this instance, it's not even so much that uh, y'all didn't get the money. It's that the new COVID compliance regulations are eating a shitload of the budget <laughs> right a hundred thousand so, yeah, yeah. It's, it, there you go for, for anybody listening that's what everybody's having to deal with now so right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep yeah yep. even still you know you're you're getting out there and you're getting shit done and uh that's very commendable because uh it's hard out there we all know how hard it is we're all doing the best we can and you're you're making strides so everybody should uh Keep an eye out for Kristen Hansen. She's dropped her her tags just a moment ago, but it was uh, at I Will Love on Instagram, I believe, and uh, at you have another one too, but I don't think we need to drop that. One. Oh so, yeah, I started during the quarantine when I got um, uh, really obsessed um, with space. It was Star Girl, uh, Star Girl Facts. Star Girl so, Facts. Yeah. Yeah, and. Um, Anyways, you can reach me on that too. As well. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to have some space conversations, you can definitely hit Kristen up there, and uh, yes. I'm sure you will have some very interesting conversations and things to share. Um, yeah, space is, as we've said, super interesting. So we could talk about that all damn day. I might end up having to make like an entirely separate space podcast at some point. Uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> all right well that uh that wraps it up here for everybody uh, unless there's anything else you want to mention or say before we close out here no i just think it was so lovely being a part of your podcast so thank well, you thank so much you. scott for having thank me you on. for being here and for for coming on and entertaining entertaining the podcast and uh talking about this movie that you love and all the reasons why you love it i really really honestly do appreciate it oh yeah thank you Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All, All right, right, everybody. <laughs> We're going to close out here. Uh, thank you for stopping by Scott's Movie Pod until I think of a better name, which I probably won't ever actually do. Uh, have a great, great day or night or whatever time you're listening to this. Bye. See you later. And that's, and that's the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Thank you very much for stopping by and listening to Scott's Movie Pod until I think of a better name, which I may never do. Special thanks to my guests for coming on the show and all of you for listening. Original podcast music by Weston Lee Ball. You can find them at lava underscore submersible on Instagram and Weston Lee Ball on Facebook. And if you like the podcast, do me a favor and just rate and review. Let me know what you think. Leave a comment and uh, maybe I'll read it during the show. Thanks again and I'll catch you next time.